We all have a yearning for love, but relationships can be confusing and complicated. Dr. Tammy Balashevsky says it all starts from within. It starts with a journey to center. Here's your host for Journey to Center on Empower Radio, Dr. Tammy Balashevsky. Hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. Yes, relationships can indeed be confusing. Have you noticed certain patterns or challenges in your relationships and wonder why they are there or what you can do about them? What about in your life? Have you ever wanted to lose weight or stop smoking? And no matter how much you consciously wanted to, you just couldn't? You know, I've often considered the following question. If the universe is abundant and generous, which it is, and if you consciously know you want something, be it to uh, manifest a great relationship or make more money or to lose weight, what is the problem? Why are things so hard? Well, from my perspective, the problem lies in the pinch in the middle of the hourglass in the recesses of your subconscious mind. It's been estimated that the average person uses no more than 10% of his mental power. The remaining 90% takes place subconsciously. And much of the material in our subconscious mind was put there when we were very young. So say, for example, you saw your parents fighting about money or anything. Whatever you believe to be true in that moment becomes part of the foundation of your belief system for the rest of your life, even if you don't remember it. Our conscious mind actually only does a very small amount of work in terms of remembering, processing, and storing the information we we receive every day. The majority is done by the subconscious mind. So if we want to change something in our lives, of course, it's important to have the consent of the conscious mind. However, if we want real and lasting change, working with the subconscious mind is imperative. So if you want to more effectively step into your authentic power and manifest what you want, deserve, and desire in the world, you are in the right place. We're going to talk about how to make good friends with this powerful and hidden part of yourself. So you... um, you're in for a real treat. Today, I'm going to be having a wonderful conversation filled with information and wisdom with John Morgan. John is known as America's best-known hypnotherapist. He conducts personal improvement seminars and has hypnosis programs available for smoking cessation, weight loss, stress management, sales training, self-confidence, relaxation, golf mastery, sleep, Hypnosis for dogs, including extending your dog's life, body image, looking younger, feeling more vibrant, a virtual massage, accelerated learning, and more. John has presented his life-changing hypnotherapy seminars to a million people across North America and improved and empowered countless more with his CDs, DVDs, and digital downloads. So John, I am so excited and so honored that you are here with us today on Empower Radio. Well, thank you, Tammy. It's uh, wonderful to be with you and all your listeners across America. This is a fun thing. Yeah, it really is. And I think this is such an important subject. I studied um, hypnotherapy when I was, I don't know, about 15 years ago, a long time ago. And it's something I I use a lot in my own personal practice. And it's really fun to be connecting with somebody who you've been doing this for how long? Uh, Let's see, 30 years now. So you are definitely an expert, and I'm really open to learning more about this because I know how powerful and effective it can be to affect 
um, long lasting change in people's lives. It's a very, very, very empowering tool. Yeah, I like to demystify it if that's okay. Yes, I would love for you to because a lot of people have preconceived notions about what hypnosis is. Maybe they've been exposed to stage hypnosis or whatever. So I'd love to hear from from you um, what the truth is about this uh, modality. Well, I don't know what I'm. I'm not sure I know what the truth is. I know what my experience <laughs> is, and I can tell you this for sure um, that. Most people that I run into uh, think that I'm going to have some kind of control over them or they're going to reveal their deep, dark secrets or it's the work of the mm -hmm. devil or some such nonsense. And it's none of that. Um, hypnosis, pure and simple, when you extract all the mumbo jumbo away from it, is accelerated learning. And what I mean by that is when your intellect calms down or your conscious mind, if you will, sort of gets out of the way, this other than conscious part of our mind uh, absorbs. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is the part of us that uh, makes changes. Uh, the other part of us is the part that wants to make the changes. It's sort of like the, uh, it's sort of like the fuse, but if it never reaches the bomb, nothing ever happens. So mm -hmm. extracting all the mumbo jumbo, hypnosis is accelerated learning. That means when your intellect calms down, this other part of your mind is wide open to suggestions. And the suggestions that's open to are only the ones that you really want to hear. So you're not going to be open to everything, but you will be. For example, people think that they have to go into a trance to learn something new, and nothing could be farther from the truth. I mean, if you daydream, you're in a trance. If you talk to yourself inside of your head, you're in a trance. If you drive from point A to point B, forget how you got from one to the other. They call that highway hypnosis. What people don't realize is when they're in this frame of mind, I'm calling a trance, they're a little bit more suggestible than they normally are. So all I do in a seminar is uh, get that part of their mind out of the way so I can go do my work. Because <laughs> the, the intellect wants to argue with me. Uh, you know, that's the part of you that knows everything about losing. I'll tell you a quick story. When Please. I was a kid, I had a neighbor. And uh, she was the nutritionist for the local hospital. And uh, she could tell you the sugar content the carbohydrate content, this content, the fat content, what was good for you, what was bad for you. And I mean, she was a walking encyclopedia about that kind of stuff. And she would bend your ear with it. Problem was, she was over 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to know all that stuff. It's another thing to do all that stuff. And so once true. that, you know, you can know everything you want to. Uh, there are so many know-it-alls that can't do what they want to do. So what I want to do is get that know-it-all part of their mind out of the way so that I have access to this part of our mind that runs all our habit patterns. And you alluded to it earlier about um, how people get patterns. What I ask yep. people is, is anybody in the room uh, have a specific brand of religion? And, you know, hands go up. And I say, uh, did your parents have that same religion? And in 90% of the cases, it's yes. I said, did they ask your permission? <laughs> no, they didn't. So you basically got a belief system that you had no say in, that you're going to fight with somebody else about, that you got the right one and they got the wrong one. I mean, it's really the Hatfields and the McCoys. And I'm not talking about religion per se. I'm talking about any habit pattern. Yes. For example, yes. Um, do, you wear, do you wear lipstick, uh, Tammy? Of course. You do? Okay. <laughs> so which lip gets made up first, the top or the bottom? Oh, my gosh. The bottom. Stop and think of the bottom one. Okay. I had so to think about is it. Your, 
did your lipstick tube come with an instruction manual that you had to start on the bottom? No, it didn't, did it? <laughs> so you, you, for whatever reason, when you were sneaking it around before you were allowed to wear it, when you were a teenager, you started making up the bottom lip and that got comfortable for you. Now, all of a sudden, you put it on that way every time. Now, I guarantee you the next time you go put lipstick on, I'm going to ask you to do something just to prove that I'm not making this up. Sure. Go make your top, go make your top lip up and notice how uncomfortable you get. Okay. That's because you're out of your patterns. Right. You're going against the habit pattern that basically got formed by accident. We have a whole bunch of belief systems that got in there by accident. Eat everything that's on your plate, the starving little children somewhere. Your father yes. worked so hard for that money. Money doesn't grow on trees. Blah, 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 blah. You know, mm -hmm. all of that information gets in there. Now you're out at a restaurant, you're comfortably full, and you push the plate away, yet there's food on there, and then you bring the plate back and you start to eat. There's programming running you. That's the other than conscious part of your mind running programming. And your yes. intellect knows to stop eating, but it can't. Uh, that's why hypnosis is so effective. We get your intellect out of the way. We talk to this other part of your mind that holds all your habit patterns many of which you got by accident. Absolutely. You know, I found it very fascinating. I'm sure you know probably more about this than I do, that, you know, children are, are in those more hypnotic states, those deeper brainwaves, the theta and alpha brainwaves. And it's not until we're older that we develop the monkey mind or the beta brainwaves. So we're programmed at a very young age and, and we don't remember it. And it, and to me, what, what makes this so comprehensive is realizing we're just relaxing. You're just letting that monkey mind relax and get to that deeper part so that you are open to receiving this positive information. Yeah, you your intellect. Yeah, I'm sorry. I interrupted. Your intellect no, does get in the way. Say that again. I said your intellect does get in the way. It, it wants to run the show. It's sort of like, um, here's the analogy I like to use. For those of you who are parents, you can appreciate this. Uh, back when, at one time, before the car seats got really safe for kids, they used to put them in a little thing with cutout legs for their holes, and it had a little steering wheel on it, <laughs> so that the kid could pretend that they were also driving, a little horn in the middle. I had well, one of your, those. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's your intellect. It thinks it's driving the car, but it's really got the false wheel and everything else. It's not <laughs> driving the car. It's just not. It thinks it is, but it's not. And, yep. you know, that's why people intellectually stop and think about weight gain and weight loss for a second. Nobody intellectually gained weight. Nobody said to themselves, you know, by God, I think I'm going to go up two, no, three dress sizes. That sounds like a great <laughs> idea. I'm just Nobody pack did it on. that. So you didn't pack it on consciously and you're not going to take it off consciously. If you do, that's called a diet. And yes, you are going to eat nothing but, uh, you know, lettuce leaves and figs until the wedding or the bar mitzvah or whatever you're getting in shape for, you get skinny, you get slinky. Everybody goes, oh, what are you doing, Jenny Craig? Wait, watch it. Oh, you look terrific. And then all of a sudden, after that event is over, what happens? I mean, oh, the weight back. comes back on. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, you're back to where you were and then some. That's called intellectually losing weight. And frankly, uh, all you have to do is look to Oprah to know that that never works. That doesn't work. Another what comes to mind also is that that's also called manipulation. You're manipulating okay. your body to lose weight, but if you don't have the consent of your subconscious mind, it's not going to, it's, you're not going to maintain that weight loss. 
Yeah, if you're not in alignment, that's correct. Yes. Um, you know, yeah, you have to, uh, You both yeah, have to I, be singing out of the I, same I, hymn book. Say it again. I said both parts of your mind have to be singing out of the same hymn book. It's so true. You want to be congruent. You mm-hmm. got to be congruent if you want to be solid and and uh, and uh, move in a really positive direction, I think. So th- this has been such an important piece of the puzzle for me in my healing process because, you know, I, I was a model and wanted to lose weight when I was younger and it didn't, it didn't work. And it wasn't until I started getting into to this material that it's like the weight's gone. I maintain my weight. People are like, how do you do that? Well, I got the approval and consent and partnership of my subconscious mind. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk on your show quite a bit about relationships. And yes, um, um, yes there is a relationship with your, uh, I'm not real a big fan of subconscious, but it works here. Um, that's what people recognize it as. Uh, sub means, or unconscious means uh, the same thing as what I use. I learned a term called other than conscious. Huh. And I learned it from a guy many moons ago who was a wizard at this and taught me, you know, all that he knew about it. And uh, we took it and ran with it. But other than conscious, you can talk to somebody's subconscious mind while you're just having a conversation. And you can get feedback from their subconscious mind while their eyes are wide open. The people don't think they're in a trance, but frankly, I mean, it happens every day. And so there is a part of you that's paying attention at all times. And if anybody wants to validate that for themselves, ask a woman, can you sleep through a thunderstorm? Oh, yeah, you know, nothing bothers me. I can sleep right through them. I don't even know that that they went through the area. Ask the same woman who's got a, you know, a young baby. And (laughs) in the middle of the thunderstorm, she hears, (laughs) all of a sudden she's up. Yes. What's the difference? Part of her is paying attention. And they're paying attention at all times when you're awake, when you're asleep. So this, it's not unconscious. It's other than conscious and it's paying attention Mm -hmm. at all times. So yes, you can communicate with that part of your mind. But what I wanted to go to was this thing about a relationship. And I know you want to go towards relationship with your other than conscious or unconscious mind, but I'd like to talk about uh, relationships in general, if I may. Sir, please do. They're all important. All right. Uh, One of the things about relationships is we got to get rid of that word uh, because it makes it like it's something. And it's something different to everybody that uses that word. That's what they call in um, neurolinguistic programming bill, a nominalization. I have a relationship. And you put a relationship in a wheelbarrow. No, you can't. If you can't put it in a wheelbarrow, it's a fluff word. That means it means different things to different people. So you really got to break it down and find out what it means to you. So rather than using the noun or the nominalization, I like to use the verb. How are you relating to another human being? That's an actual action. Relationship takes it one step removed, and it's like it's a thing that needs to be worked on. Like there's such a thing as motivation. There is no such thing as motivation. It's a word that we use. Um, so there is no such thing as a relationship, but there is how we relate to one another. And how we relate to one another is on a very superficial level, which is why a lot of relationships don't go very deep. For example, um, anybody in your ma- uh, uh, Are you married, Tammy? I don't know. Yes, I am. Okay. 
So there is something that your husband can do or say any day of the week that you know what your response to it's going to be, right? Okay. In other words, there's something he can do or say that you know exactly what your response is going to be. <laughs> do, you know, do you know that it goes the other way too? In other words, there's something that you could do or say, and you know exactly how he's going to respond when you right. do or say that. Uh-huh. Well, basically what you're doing is you're dealing in first responses. In other words, at that point, you are no different than a lizard sitting on a rock waiting for a fly to go by. <laughs> Got that animal you brain no, going. Mm-hmm. You have no choice but to go get that fly. So, you know, he says, blah, 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 blah. And your natural reaction is blah, blah, blah. And you know exactly where that relationship goes. It goes nowhere. It, it stays at the same spot. So here's something that most people don't talk about when relating to another human being. And that is to... Notice that you're about to respond with your first response and take a breath and notice that there's a second response and a third response Mm -hmm. and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh. Uh, Let's just for grins. Let's do this. You ready? I am. I'm going to say, I say a word. You give me a response. You ready? Okay, cool. Ocean. Ocean. What's the first thing you think of? Dolphins. Second. Octopus. <laughs> Third. You know what? That's not right. Because when you first Third. said it, my first response was water, salt, and then I went deeper and I went to dolphin. So I went to my third okay, response. Okay, so dolphin was your third response then? Yes. Yes. Okay, what was your, what's your fourth response? Um, It's going to be coral. Fifth. Amoebas. Do you notice that we could go all day? And that you could go out to your 27th response? I guess so. But but in a relationship or when you're relating to another human being, you give them your first response. Your first response, to use your expression, is your monkey brain response. It's the response that's going to go nowhere. You already have experience that it's going nowhere. So the suggestion is to anybody that's listening is the next time you get into that situation and they put out the bait, all you do is take a breath and offer back your second, your third, your fourth response. So take a moment and offer it back. It will do two things. Number one, it will change the whole dynamic of that interaction because they're not expecting that response. They're expecting what you normally say. And number two, it makes you the stimulus versus being the response. And isn't that what we all want anyway? (laughs) In other words, if you are a slave to your response, a slave to your unconscious, subconscious, other than conscious response, that says that you're a slave. You have no say in the matter whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But the minute that you choose a response, then all of a sudden you get to use this thing that everybody claims they have, but they don't because they never use it. And that's called free will. Mm -hmm. Nobody has free will who's using their first response. I I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's a different that's language, a pat- but it is. It's it's behaving in a way that's yeah. disempowered and reactive. Yeah, it's a pat than- answer. Anytime yes. you're giving somebody a pat answer, you may as well have a hand puppet deliver that line. <laughs> it's very surface. You, you, why, why even bother getting involved with that? Send out a surrogate. You know, because that's a robot answer. You're a robot when you give your first response. Mm. If you take time 
And that's when you really relate to another human being. So, you know, we can talk about that we want a great relationship, but until we stop giving pat answers or patterned answers and we go deeper for a deeper answer, that's when we really make this connection with another human being, whether it be our spouse, our lover, our mother, our father, our daughter, our son, our grandchildren, whatever it is, our next door neighbor, then all of a sudden you go deeper with people. You know, if you keep it at, hey, how are you? Oh, great. Nice day. I mean, why didn't you just have a tape recorder say that to them? Yes. No, I think it's true. For me, it's about being very present and having that heart connection and that relatedness. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this is a wonderful, um, some wonderful information and some tools that I think people will really be able to to play with and to explore and to experiment with. I think this is some good, good stuff, John. Well, you know, I write a uh, weekly note of reflection. It's called uh, my the, the website I write this one on. It's not my johnmorganseminars.com website. That's where people can go and find out all about the products that we offer yes. that you yes. enumerated at the beginning. But I have a, uh, a website called grasshoppernotes.com. Grasshoppernotes.com. Okay. Yeah, there's an interesting story about how that got started. Uh, but I, I've been doing this for about five years. It's a weekly note of reflection. And then I also write a blog maybe two, three days a week. Um, under the same heading, all you have to do is click on blog, and you'll get a lot of this perspective that I'm talking about here, uh, specifically about first responses and things like that and other things that are very similar. I think people would enjoy it. If they enjoy your show, I think they would enjoy that. Yeah, it sounds like it, it would be right along the lines of what we like to discuss here. So sounds introspective. It is, and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it's um, it's notes that come to me from out of the blue. I mean, this isn't anything <laughs> I, I'm sitting in down and thinking about. I could be on an airplane. I could be in the bathroom shaving. I could be anywhere. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I get a little nugget, you know, of wisdom of some sort that comes in. I take no responsibility for it. And then I make an effort to write it out, what exactly it means. Now, whether I Got the full meaning or not, I'm not sure, but I certainly make the effort and I put it out there for people's consumption at grasshoppernotes.com. Oh, that's fun. I'm, I didn't know that. I'm looking forward to uh, checking that out after the show. Great. Yeah, I would call that like a download or something bubbling up from some deeper part of yourself. And then it sounds like you tra- take great responsibility to to get it up and out of you. So I think Yeah, that's all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, it, I used to travel a whole bunch you know, like 35 weeks a year, four, six airplanes a week. And I started to keep a journal and I'd be on an airplane going from here to there and I'd get an idea from out of the blue and I'd write it down. And, you know, it's like one day I was sitting on an airplane and it popped into my head. Fair is a fairy tale. You know, how many times? <laughs> I love it. That's true. You know, how many times? Have you, well, that's not fair. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what what specifically do you mean by fair? In other words, fair is a fluff word. They can't put it in a wheelbarrow. Yep. In other words, if I can't put it in a wheelbarrow, I got to break it down. And I have to find out what it means to somebody because, frankly, we all talk in a sea of fluff out there. It, it's like somebody would say, well, I say, well, what do you want? Well, I want a good job. I said, well, wait a minute. What's a good job? Oh, that's easy. One that pays a lot of money. 
what is a lot of money? The, yes. Your, your subconscious does not work on fluff. It works on specifics. So what I try and get people to do is laser focus on the goal that they really want, not what they think they want. And there's a written exercise on a number of my CDs. For example, there's a CD I have called Accomplish Anything. It's a one-size-fits-all CD. And basically, you do this written exercise that I walk you through on the CD. And I bust up all this language that we use, all this fluffy language, so you know what it means to you. And once you know what it means to you, then all of a sudden, you can get laser-focused on your goal rather than being scatter-focused. And it's getting rid of all the fluff. So yeah, that's to me, that's what you, that you help do. people uh, get to the place where they can communicate very clearly. And and clearly, you're a very clear communicator. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that is a very, very vital component in having uh, relationships or relatedness that works well, that works effectively. So yeah, I would we, agree with that. we are going to go to break here pretty quick. And then when we get back, John, I want you to share with us a little exercise to let people know that they could actually be um, hypnotized. Very simple exercise. And I know you're sure. going to be able to deliver it in a way that uh, uh, everybody's really going to get how powerful this uh, thing called uh, subconscious or other than conscious mind can be. And then I also want to get into some of these different programs you offer. They're very varied. And I'm excited about learning about some of them myself. So stay tuned. We're going to go to um, break. We'll be right back with number one hypnotherapist in the United States. John Morgan. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. So you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cat stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. The odds of a young girl being discovered by an industry insider while singing to herself pumping gas? One in 300 million. The odds of the daughter of a clergyman from Severn, Maryland, spending 11 weeks at number one on the U.S. singles charts? One in 19 million. The odds of going on to win six Grammy Awards? One and 1.4 million. The odds of selling over 40 million records? One and 800,000. And the odds of this musician and performer having a child diagnosed with autism? One and 150. I'm Tony Braxton, and I encourage you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Sassy! Sassy! 
This week's episode, Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Ha ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy! Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use this time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold. People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? <laughs> what? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! What'd he say? Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Remember, adopt! You're listening to Empower Radio. Now, back to Journey to Center with Dr. Tammy Belashevsky. Hello, my friends. Thanks for hanging out with us here today on Journey to Center and Empower Radio. I'm having a very stimulating conversation with America's best-known hypnotherapist. He's brilliant and wonderful, and we're so glad he's here. Welcome back to the show, John Morgan. Hey, thanks, Tammy. Yes, you're, you're just a wealth and of wisdom, and I'm en- enjoying this thoroughly. I'm actually learning some things. <laughs> Wonderful. Me I too. love to learn things. Take the lid off that conscious thinking I know mind and get to this other than conscious and give me, give me some good stuff here. And you're certainly doing that. So before we went to break, I mentioned that you were going to be able to do a little, little, little sample for us here to, to support people in understanding that, that um, or finding out if hypnosis can work for them. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. Can we talk about well, this piece okay. of citrus? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can do that. I can do a number of things. Um, okay, whatever you want. Well, I mean, people go into trances, as I say, all the time. Uh, for example, when you go to the movies, people go into trances. They go in, and their conscious mind is all occupied with what's going on around them. I listen to those people over there talking loud. Oh, this lady's hairdo in front of me. I wonder if it's going to be in my way when the movie starts. And, oh, I can hear this guy crunching popcorn behind me and blah, 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 blah. Now the trailers are done. The lights go down. The movie starts. And it's about 10 minutes later. And all that stuff disappears and you're in your movie trance. What Mm -hmm. happened there? Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden, I mean, those same people are there. They're still crunching their popcorn. But all of a sudden you have tuned them out and you are zoned in on this movie. But for an example of how you um, can be affected by things outside in the environment. So here's what I'd like everybody who's listening who can do this. Um, If you're driving a car, you may want to not do this now. But what I'd like you to do is pretend you're in your kitchen. And I want you to get out, you know, a cutting board, maybe a wooden one or a plastic one. It really doesn't matter. One that's in your kitchen. And sort of envision that in front of you. And I want you to get a sharp knife, you know, one of the ones that has an edge on it. And I'd like you to go and find a big lemon, the biggest lemon you can actually find. (laughs) And then what I want you to do is I want you to slice that lemon in half and notice the juice dripping out onto the cutting board. And then what I'd like you to do is pick up one half of that lemon, tilt your head back, and squeeze that juice right into your mouth <laughs> and swirl it around. And 
it's hard if you've done this little bit of an exercise not to have a little more saliva in your mouth. Now, all of a sudden, you develop saliva. How did you do that? Basically, you the lemon wasn't real. I mean, it was your in, in your imagination. Uh, it wasn't real. But you were able to use your mind to create some physiological response in your body. And that, pure and simple, is hypnosis. We do it all the time. It's true. We, Like you had mentioned, we go in and out of it multiple times, yeah, many, in. many times, every day. All day long, hundreds mm-hmm. of times a day, we're in a trance. And it's when we pay attention, when we come out of this trance, and we actually get in the moment of what's really happening here versus what we think is happening. The minute we go into what we think is happening, we remove ourselves from what's actually, we're once removed from what's happening. And, uh, you know, it's called paying attention, staying present. Now, sometimes you're just going to drift. I mean, you know, you do. Everybody does it. There's no harm in drifting away. The harm is if it's something you do more often than not and you're not present and you're missing a lot of what life is presenting. And that's when it, it behooves one to start paying attention to staying present. Mm. I think that's really, really good advice. That's what Eckhart Tolle would teach us, <laughs> the power of now. Stay I'll very tell, you a quick, tell you a quick story about Eckhart Tolle. Please. Um, went to see him oh, maybe four years ago. He was in New York City, so I drove. And I wanted to experience him because I read his books, which are tremendous. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was in this old theater in New York City, old ornate theater. It was beautiful. And there was a security guard there. Uh, he was a guy that it looks like his sport coat didn't fit. You know, it was the company security sport coat with their patch on it. And he had a real big, thick neck, like he was a football player type and a big guy. And uh, it, was, it looked as though he was a, a local, would be my guess. And he had a scowl on his face, which I'm pretty sure is good for security guys. <laughs> so he, he, he has no idea who this guy is that's going to speak, this frail little man up on stage at Cartoli. All he's there to do is, you know, maintain security. So he's over by the door and, you know, I'm paying attention to him for whatever reason. And Eckhart Tolle is speaking. I'm going to say about 25 minutes into the speech, I look over at this guy. He is totally transformed. (laughs) The scowl is gone from his face. He's very peaceful looking. He looks very approachable where you wouldn't approach them before. And And he had no idea who this guy was. All he was was drawing you into being present. Because when you're present, you open a space for somebody else to join you there. And that's the magic of Eckhart Tolle. And I watched this guy transform from, you know, a hardened street person to somebody that you'd want to have lunch with. Oh, that is a fabulous story. Oh, excellent, excellent, excellent. I think that's, that's, I mean, I'm so inspired by that. And that's often my intention when I connect with people that don't seem very happy is just to be really present and, uh, centered in my heart. And sometimes they shift and, you know, well, sometimes they don't, although I don't take that personally, but, uh, if they show up to my class, they're going to shift. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the point. You got true with your seminars as well. Yeah. You have to make a space for them. You really do. 
That's exactly uh, because if, very you're, well if you're going to if you're going to interact with somebody, I, my thought is you you can't help somebody that you're judging. The minute so, that you're judging somebody, I'm I'm not saying assessing. There's a difference. You know, assessing yeah. what the problem is and judging them. Assessing them is this is the problem, and judging is and aren't they just terrible for having that problem? The minute mm-hmm. that you go to that realm, you can't help anybody. So when I say make a space for them, what I'm doing is taking my judgments and leaving them at the door because I can't help anyone I'm judging. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. They told us that in in school, you know, when I was wanting to become a therapist. If you're in judgment, you're not going to be able to affect any change at all. And there can be people that you you have a tendency to judge. So um, yeah, I mean, that's put a, that away well, is important. Well, the the, the key there uh, is to notice that you're judging. To use an Eckhart Tolleism, uh, you know, what you want to do is observe what it is that you're doing because it's the observer that's the real you, not the person that's judging. In other words, the real us, the deeper us, doesn't have any judgment. That's true. The real us is mm-hmm. an observer. And when you're observing, you're paying attention, you're being present, and you're taking everything in. And the minute that you're judging, you're getting your conscious mind in the way and you're sort of polluting the information that you're receiving. So if you want pure information, you want to observe your judgments. The minute you observe them, the observer becomes the real you. And once you're the real you, you can help somebody a a lot more than you could if you stayed in your judgment mode. Absolutely. You know, and, and the way I would state this is, am I living from my head or my heart? And my head is where the judgment is, my mind, you know, the monkey mind. But if I drop into my heart, everything changes. Yeah. Everything changes. I feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, living, to me, my intention is to really live a heart-based life, to be very present, to hold space for others. And it sounds like you're, you're saying the same thing with a different vocabulary. And, and I, I really, I really like that. I think everybody's talking about the same thing, to be honest with you. And when you're in the people helping business, you know, I've spoken to a number of people over the years um, that do what I do and do different things that all come under the scope of people helper. And when you boil it all down, they're all going to the same place for their information. You know, they're all, whether it's getting centered or doing this whatever you call it, going to your heart, going inward. Um, Everybody's going to the same place and coming out with, uh, you know, their version of it, but it's all the same thing. I mean, all the major religions, uh, they're all talking about the same thing. They're tapping into the the same source. I mean, when somebody wants to get into a religious argument, I ask them, is their God responsible for making the grass green? And they say, yes. I said, my God is too. How about that? (laughs) You know, (laughs) That's good. I might have to remember that. <laughs> that's that's that that's brilliant. Sky blue, grass green. So yes, I intend to be an uplifter myself. And that brings me to a question. How did you get into this profession? Of, uh, of course, you've been doing this for a very, very long time. How did this happen? Well, I was in the radio business. I was a broadcaster. Oh, I didn't and, know that. Fascinating. Yeah, I uh, was in radio for some 30 years. and simultaneously was doing uh, seminars at the same time. But 
what happened was I was on vacation. I had picked up some books on hypnosis because it was a fascinating topic to me. And uh, I had learned some things out of a book, and I was working with people in the neighborhood. I was helping kids who were thumbsuckers and bedwetters and people that were afraid to fly on airplanes. And this is all stuff I had learned out of a book. And one day I said, well, maybe I would do better to learn more about this. Maybe I can go to school and, you know, all of that. I'm watching TV and I see this guy on television and he's doing pain management for birth. And I said, how cool is this using hypnosis? So seeing I had a broadcasting background, I called the producer of the show. He said, the guy lived in Michigan. Uh, his name is James Hoke. Um, and he still lives there. And I called him up and I told him what my experience was. And, you know, I'd like to learn more. And he said, well, he says, sounds like you got a handle on that. He said, my ex-business partner, he says, uh, has a practice up in uh, the Boston area. Why don't you go visit with him? I did. He did seminars. I followed him around like a puppy dog. I learned how to do his seminars. And poof, took some training in a lot of different things called neurolinguistic programming. People can go Google that and find out what it is. I did some training with other than conscious communication. Um, they can go Google that as well. And, uh, you know, a no number of other things along the way. And so that's how I got started. Watching TV. <laughs> that is fascinating how it all kind of wove together to bring you to this place of being America's best-known hypnotherapist. Well, you yeah, clearly I mean, we know, have been, you, you know your material. Yeah, we've been to, I think we've been to all but five states, if I'm not mistaken. Fascinating. Well, I want to get into the different um, topics you address and the different um, downloads or CDs that people can get. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you have available? Sure. I mean, which one are you interested in? I, I could give you a... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated about, I don't have a dog, I want a dog, but hypnosis for dogs, how do you do that? What well, that you know, that's another, that's, that's another story. Uh, my business partner and I, before we were business partners, we were friends, and we were both in the broadcasting business, and we were both, uh, at that time, in Kansas City. And we lived around the corner from each other, and we worked at different stations, because we had worked together in Syracuse, New York. For whatever reason, we both wound up in Kansas. And he had a dog uh, named Spike. And Spike was the spirited dog. He was a Springer Spaniel. And I had a dog. And uh, so he said, boy, your dog is really, really sedate compared to Spike. I said, you know, maybe it's a different breed. He said, no, I think it's more than that. Well, what I was doing, I was recording tapes at the time for my uh, cassette tapes. And I would play them back and listen to them after I recorded them. And my dog was there, and I noticed that he was into the rhythms that we used on the tape. And I said, how cool is that? So he said, well, maybe that's it. So we brought the tapes over to... <laughs> Here we are putting speakers out. Because his, his was an outside dog. <laughs> right. We got like the speakers outside and, and all of a sudden his <laughs> the whole dog is getting, hypnos, hypnotized. The dog is <laughs> getting calmer. And frankly, I forgot about it uh, for years. And then in I somewhere in the 80s, I was listening to something called super learning where they do um, 
this uh, Baroque or Bach music, I forget exactly what it was, and you learn much quicker when you have this kind of music. It has, you know, does rhythm things with your brain. I said, how cool is this? So then I read a book called Through a Dog's Ear and found out that dogs have the same nervous system as human beings. And then I remembered the thing that I had done with my dog and his dog. And then I remembered the super learning music because the dog would calm down with that. So basically, through a dog's ear, what they did is they used some slowed down uh, classical music. So I had a friend of mine who is a classical uh, piano player. I asked him, I said, I want you to do some classical play, but I want you to slow it down. And he slowed it. He says, it sounds, and he, I said, it, I want it to sound like your first lesson. I don't want it to be to impress people. And then what I did is I put the voice rhythms along with the music. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you play this thing. And, uh, you know, after a few, there's a process that you go through. These dogs start to relax. And a relaxed dog is more trainable. A relaxed dog is going to live longer. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, when they go out the door in the morning and they leave the dog home, they put the animal planet on. Like, that's going to do something. <laughs> What I have them do is put the CD on, on loop. And it's this very, you know, this music that goes through a dog's nervous system. Animals have different nervous systems or the same, but they're more attuned. For example, anybody knows when the UPS truck is in a neighborhood, if they have a dog, before the UPS guy knocks on the door or the FedEx guy, because those trucks have a low rumble that the dogs, most dogs can hear blocks away. That's why during the tsunami and back in 84, whenever that was, I forget when it was, 94, uh, over in India, the elephants went to the high ground well before the tsunami warnings went off. Animals know when there is a, a rumbling. They have a sense mm -hmm. of things like that. So yes. they're very attuned to rhythms. Yes. And it's, that's how we came about doing hypnosis for dogs. That, that's great. It works I love for that. more than dogs. Works for horses, works for, works for a lot of, you know, it, it's really a cool thing. And we came upon it by accident. Uh -huh. I have a wild goose in my backyard that, that cruises my windows. I wonder if he would respond to it. <laughs> I don't know. If they were in place long enough. It, you know, we've done this at kennels and, you know, about 80% of it. It's not foolproof. It's not, it doesn't mm -hmm. work with everybody, buddy, but it, we've had it in, in the 80 percentile in kennels. So fascinating! I love that. I didn't. I didn't know there was such a thing available. So this is this is wonderful. So you the, also uh, have you also have golf mastery. I think that's fascinating. I think if we have any guys yeah. listening, they might be interested in that. Yeah, that's basically it's the three C. What I call the three C's of golf. It's not going to tell you how to hold the club. It's not going to tell you how to swing it. You can get all that from your swing coach. Mm -hmm. What this is going to do is every golfer does the same thing. Forget the technique for a minute because they all have different techniques. Uh, so there is, you have to commit to a shot. You have to concentrate, you know. <laughs> you have to be able to put your concentration somewhere. You have to commit to something and you have to have a feeling of confidence in your body. So basically what I do is I rehearse them in all those three C's and all of a sudden, they start to have a better demeanor on the golf course. They're not in their head. They're more in their body. 
And if they're practicing, they're going to play better. Now, if you go out 10 times a year like I do and expect to play better just because you listen to the CD, it won't. You know, you're not going to play any better. You'll feel better about your game. But <laughs> this is for somebody that's a little more serious than I am about golf. Right. I love that. But the uh, the one that, uh, the biggest seller that we have, it, there's two. And one of them is Sleep Through the Night Every Night. And the other one is called Accomplish Anything. And Sleep Through the Night Every Night. And, you know, I would do a seminar. I said, anybody in the room in here have problems sleeping at night? I mean, like half the hands went up. Right. I mean, half the hands went up. That's a lot. And yeah. once you get checked out by your physician and, you know, there's nothing medically wrong with you or environmentally going on like a crane outside your window. Um, <laughs> usually what's going on with people is if they wake up in the middle of the night or they can't get to sleep, the problem is, is their thoughts are running amok inside of their head. That's what keeping them. That's what's keeping them awake. That would make sense. They cannot. They cannot shut up their mind. I mean, it's basically how to quiet your mind so that you can sleep through the night every night. It's our biggest seller. The oh, I was going to ask you that. Which, what your biggest seller is? I'm interested in that because I sometimes can't go to sleep. I'm up till two or three in the morning. It's ridiculous because my and brain is going. Notice, so yeah, that it's might on be a something mile I'm going to purchase for myself. And it, the idea is. Both of these I'm about to talk about have a written exercise that is crucial to do before you start listening to the CD, because mm -hmm. this written exercise is designed as such to get you to, A, find out what you want to accomplish, not what you don't want. Too many people, when I say, well, what do you want? Well, I don't want to be upset. <laughs> I didn't ask you what you didn't want. I want right. to know what you do want. Yes. You know, And then they tell Very me true. what they do want. I want them to know how that feels in their body. I want them to know so that they own it, what they do want. So when they tell me what they do want, I ask them to write out this manifesto. I said, keep writing until you can't think of anything else. And then mm -hmm. when they do that, I have, I have them go in and look over the writing and find all the fluff words, you know, like good. Uh, you know, I want a meaningful relationship. What do you mean by meaningful? That means something different to me than it does to you. You have to know what that means to you. You have mm -hmm. to break that word out. So I find all that fluff. And then when they are done writing and they busted all the fluff up, I say, reduce everything down to a statement of 25 words or less. And they mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And I say, here's where the magic comes in. When you're looking at that statement of 25 words or less, one of those words on that page or a phrase is going to jump right out at you. It's going to, you're going to see it. It's going to ring out in your mind. You're going to get a special feeling about it. I said, write that down. That's what they call a trigger phrase. And mm -hmm. that's what you're going to use, that trigger phrase. You're going to use that with the CD. You're going to use that phrase at bedtime. And all it is, is it's a phrase that encompasses everything they want to accomplish. It's one trigger word that represents everything that they wrote out, everything they busted the fluff up about, everything that they do want. It's all wrapped up in one little phrase. And then you go and you listen to the CD for about three weeks time and people get amazing results. Yeah. It sounds like a little mega vitamin of relaxation. I like that. <laughs> I think I'll use that, Tammy. Please do. I'm using a lot of your material that I'm getting from you today. So that sounds, that sounds incredible. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested in, in uh, maybe 
getting that for myself because, like I said, I've well, had problems it, with that. But I'm going to try that exercise, and I'm going to. I want that um, CD as well. I don't, I, so, I don't know how much time we have left here. Five minutes. But oh, cool. Then we, let me go over this. Please. Everything that I've been talking about here on your show today, and again, thank you for inviting me. This has been a thrill. Um, <laughs> the um, everything that I do is I sum it up like this. It's outgrowing an old habit pattern and growing into a new one. That's everything that I think that we do in this business of uh, personal development. And what I mean by that is I asked people, I said, okay, think back to high school for a second. Well, let me ask you, um, because I know it went on with me. Um, When you were in high school, did you wear some goofy clothes you wouldn't be caught dead in today? Of course. (laughs) Of course. Me too. And nobody could talk to you. You know, they were very appropriate then. Yes. But there is a part of your mind that knows how to update itself. That's the mm-hmm. part of the mind I want to work with. The part of your mind that actually had you outgrow that without somebody telling you how to do it. Mm-hmm. There's a part of your mind that knows how to outgrow things. That's the part of the mind I want to get in touch with. And it's mm-hmm. not your intellect because nobody could have talked you out of those clothes. And now you Absolutely look back right. on it and you go, oh, my God, what was I thinking? I mean, you wouldn't <laughs> even wear those clothes on Halloween right now. It's so true. That's so funny. No, I love that. Outgrowing a bad habit and growing into a new one. And I do think we have yeah. that innate self-directed capacity or ability within ourselves. So I think but, that's, but that's people, wonderful that you're supporting th- people with that. I think what people really need to know is these patterns that we develop mm-hmm. are purposeful. If you can remember one thing. The patterns that we develop are purposeful. Mm-hmm. They are there for a purpose. For example, why do people start smoking? There's nobody that started to smoke because they tasted good. You know, they didn't take their first drag of a cigarette and say, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted in my whole life. They're choking. They're coughing. Uh, you know, they're turning colors, um, you know, <laughs> gagging. So what do they do? They torture themselves. Why? They go back and they do it again and again because they want to be somebody who they're not. Mm. And this is going to do it for them. It's going to make them older, cooler, one of the gang, tough guy, chic, debonair, like my older sister in the army now. Pick a reason. So mm-hmm. what happens mm-hmm. is their mind builds a pattern. Very purposeful. It's making them cooler. Hey, I have made you cooler. Now you have a pattern built. Now try and talk yourself out of that pattern. Yeah, it's not easy to do, is it? You're not going to talk yourself out of mm-hmm. smoking. You're not going to, you know, I'll ask people in a workshop. I say, okay, I'll give you four talk show topics that you can do and get callers anytime. You can talk about uh, gun control, birth control, capital punishment, or hot wild sex on the first date. You can talk about any one of those things and get people to argue back and forth <laughs> about the right way or the wrong way or this or that about the other thing. The point is they weren't born with any of those beliefs, they were all acquired. Yes. And once you acquire a belief, you're not going to talk yourself out of it. I mean, go ahead. Talk yourself out of your biggest belief. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's not going to happen. It's so not. It's impossible. It's, so, so, so we're going to have yeah. to um, wrap it up, John. But if people have beliefs that they want to talk themselves out of, that they're not effective with, <laughs> you might want to go onto his website. And John, tell us again what your website is. Yeah, it's johnmorganseminars.com. Easy to remember, johnmorganseminars.com. If they're interested in any of the products we offer there, they can get them 
uh, our Stop Smoking DVD, our Weight Loss DVD, that's our seminar on DVD, or any of the other ones that we talked about here today. And if they're interested in any of the writings that I was talking about, they can go to grasshoppernotes.com. They can read my weekly note there, or they can go to my blog and see a, you know, a couple of blogs a week about different topics. And uh, I think it will just give people a different perspective than they're used to getting somewhere else. I love that. Well, this has been an honor and a pleasure and a privilege. Hang on the line, John. We're going to wrap it up, but I'd like to talk to you after the show. So thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Onward and upward. God bless you. Bye for now.